Welcome to Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm your host. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Fides is Latin for faith and truth, and that's what we do on this show is talk about truth and talk about faith. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, the great song that you're hearing in the background is my friend Frank Camp. You could find him on Spotify. Great song. This song is called Heaven Can Wait. But thanks for being here, and let's get right to it. Okay, welcome to another edition of Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm your host, and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. Um, I am really excited to be here uh, with my guest, David Cordero. David is from Students for Life. He's a director of communications. Uh, David, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's my pleasure to have you. So I, I want to share the story, uh, the background of having you on. I've had a, a number of individuals from Students for Life on my program, sort of accidentally. I, I first came across Brenna Lewis. Um, I saw a great article she wrote and I asked her to come on and she's helped me uh, get a few other people. I've had Lily Gilliland, Autumn Lindsay, Lauren Enriquez, Sarah Zarr, Annie Fitzgerald, Savannah Berline, uh, and a few other people that have been associated with. Uh, and I said to, I, I believe it was Lauren and Sarah, I said, you, know, you guys have such a great organization, but I'm only seemingly interviewing ladies. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know it. I see pictures. I see, you know, on social media, the guys that are out there, great guys that are, you know, fighting, you know, as well. And I said, you got to give me, you know, someone. And so uh, 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 Sarah, I believe, or uh, Lauren had sent me your name and said, talk, you know, talk to David. So that's the quick story behind it. Um, so I want to maybe then start with, you know, how you got involved in Students for Life and, and also how you got involved in the pro-life movement? Yeah, sure. Um, it's funny. We, our whole, um, you know, one of our missions at Students for Life is to really change the narrative from, uh, you know, the pro-life movement is a, a bunch of old white men. And, <laughs> um, you know, we need them too. Like we need men to stand up. And uh, it's, it's funny now, like our staff is predominantly women and uh, it's, it's wonderful. Um, but in that we've, you know, also lost the essence of, you know, guys, we need to stand up and protect women. And mm -hmm. culture has really just pushed guys down into a box where they feel like they can't talk about, uh, abortion. But, mm -hmm. um, I got involved in the pro-life movement in middle school. I, I grew up Catholic. I still am Catholic. Um, my religion teacher in seventh grade asked me to lead the pro-life movement or the pro-life the pro movement, the pro-life group um, at my school. And I looked at him and I was like, what's pro-life? <laughs> and I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so I got involved. I, you know, kind of uh, started looking into it. I, I went home that day and asked my mom, I said, what does pro-life mean? Um, what does this mean? And she explained it to me. Um, she explained to me what abortion is, what the procedure is. And uh, I remember, you know, in all of my seventh grade wisdom, just sitting back and thinking, people actually think abortion is okay. Um, it seems so blatantly obvious that it kills someone. Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, she also shared with me that um, my brother, uh, you know, at the time my mom was pregnant with him, the doctors had recommended abortion as an option to her because he wouldn't be able to walk. Um, 
my brother, you know, was born. She, my mom didn't pursue an abortion um, and he was born completely healthy. Um, the doctor that she uh, went to went on to become the medical director of Planned Parenthood. So um, you can see a direct correlation. Um, stayed involved through high school and college. Uh, in high school, I started, uh, I worked at a grocery store and a woman came in. Um, I was a bag boy. She came in with uh, reusable grocery bags that were for Planned Parenthood. Um, and so that angered me to no end. So I went home and uh, created pro-life grocery bags. Um, and my parents, you know, finally gave in and my mom said, we can order a hundred, but you know, if you don't sell them, then you're going to have to work to pay off the cost. Uh, and within a week we had sold over 500. Wow. Um, so, you know, it was really a fun project to take on in high school, stayed involved in college, went on my first uh, retreat with students for life um, in that time, right between high school and college. And then, you know, kind of got hooked. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. It's, it's so cool to hear, especially going back to middle school and high school. And I think about, you know, me in, in high school and I think, gosh, you know, it's so awesome to see uh, such great young people do things. So uh, that, that's a great story. It, it really is courageous. And it's, uh, it's almost like, you know, that saying out of the mouths of babes, right? So you have a seventh grader who goes, how could anyone think this is okay? Right. And it's an obvious thing, but the adults in the room, meaning the doctors and the politicians, uh, you know, they're, they can, couldn't be more wrong. Um, so you, you went to college where? So I grew up in Des Moines um, and then went to Iowa state. Okay. Uh, I studied architecture. I yep. had zero intent of working <laughs> for a life movement. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you said you were, you're an architect uh, or that that's the, that's the major you got into. Um, so as you've been involved in whether going back to elementary or middle school, high school and, and college, how did other students look at you um, in general and as a guy? Cause we often hear, you know, the rhetoric is no uterus, no, voice or something like that, or, you know, it's, it's, you know, men have no say in this kind of thing. Um, how did people react to you? Yeah. Um, you know, any, any sane person <laughs> that realizes that an argument does not have a gender, mm -hmm. uh, was fine with me. Um, you know, actually my last year in college, I became really good friends with the president of the pro-choice club at Iowa State, who was also a guy. And him and I would go out and get drinks and hang out and it was great. Um, and we were both kind of like, wow, we're this weird model of like how you can uh, disagree, but still be civil to one another, which is something that I'm not sure would be possible today. Although I am actually good friends with uh, the girl that runs the pro-choice club at Iowa State now, um, because she is also an architecture major and uh, her and I actually interned together uh, in Chicago. But, um, you know, I think, I think young people that really have this rational thought process can understand that, you know, guys too can have an opinion. It's the, um, it's the students that are really, I, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, put anyone down, but it's the students that are so polarized and so, far left that uh, really are the ones that are putting guys down. And um, I have a good example of that. I was at Central College in Pella, Iowa. 
And I had a, a female student come up to me and say exactly that, you know, you're a guy, you can't have an opinion on abortion. Uh, she was much more angry than I just portrayed it right there. But she, you know, I, I took her, her whole um, kind of worldview and turned it back on her. And I said, that's a wild assumption you just made. Why are you assuming that I'm a man? Are you assuming that I am male? And she literally took a step back and was like, I am so sorry. I did not mean to offend you. Like, I, she's like, how do you identify? And I, I looked at her and I said, no, I fully identify as a man. I fully identify as a male. But it, just in the way that like you wouldn't diminish that argument, like why are you diminishing my view because of my, my gender? I said, you know, arguments don't have gender. And so it really kind of shocked her. And she was like, well, I apologize. Uh, how, you know, let's go back to abortion <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. she didn't want to talk about it. She never um, thought that she would stump, uh, stumble onto a more controversial topic than abortion as she talked right. to you. Though know, That's what's kind of kind of funny how these people get so twisted. Um, so it, it actually, it's a good segue into my next question. I wanted to ask you about the violence. So a number of people I've talked to in general, but even some of the individuals, I remember I talked to um, um, uh, Autumn Lindsay, who went uh, from Students for Life, who went to, she was on the SCOTUS squad, mm -hmm. uh, who went to the Supreme Court to support uh, Amy Coney Barrett. And, and she was talking about the violence and the anger that people, you know, created towards her and, um, why do you think there is that? Because you don't see that yet. Yeah, everyone was always going to say, oh, well, what about January 6th, the so-called insurrection, there was violence, whatever. But even that, it was one, you know, few hours and it was gone. Um, why is there such violence and anger on the left? You know, I think it all comes down to uh, society accepting abortion as normal. Um because we know abortion is violence. Um, abortion, whether it is, you know, a medical abortion, a chemical abortion, uh, a, a surgical abortion, there is an act of violence that is taken against another human being. Uh, you know, we know that the RU486 starves progesterone from uh, the child essentially starving it. Uh, we know that a surgical abortion will inject the fetus's heart with a saline solution and cause it to have essentially a heart attack. Uh, so when we condone the violence of abortion um, against the most innocent people in our society today, someone that can't speak or can't fight back, yeah. uh, it's no uh, surprise to me that we have violence in our streets. Um, it, there's no surprise to me that we have looting and riots from both the right and the left. Um, we, we saw it with a lot of the Black Lives Matter. We saw it with the insurrection. And it's, it's a righteous anger that people have on both sides. You know, racism is an evil and abortion is an evil. Uh, but it's not the solution. Violence is not the solution. It's, um, it's something that we need to critically think about and work towards a better solution. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I the I posed that question to uh, to Lauren Enriquez, who's uh, in uh, the uh, Texas uh, Students for Life, and um, she had, you know, told me about an uh, an encounter she had with someone that came was very very angry, and she kind of took a step back and talked about how 
she has to remember that a lot of these people that are angry probably had an abortion or a close friend or somebody like that. And so they're hurting in a lot of ways. And then they're seeing someone, you know, taking the opposing view that they have. Um, so I think there is wisdom in us having an understanding, even with those that are being violent. Um, so, so you, you chose you, so as an architect, um, um, you, you chose to not get into architecture. Uh, tell me about that. Was that an easy, quick decision? Did you start off in arch? I mean, obviously you did in school and you said you had an internship. Um, when did you, or how did you make that decision to say, I'm going to go in a different direction than architecture, um, and stay with students for life? Yeah. So it was, it was the easiest and the hardest decision I've had in my life. And I <laughs> had to make it twice. <laughs> um, so I, um, in 2016, when I was uh, graduating, I uh, was in the studio and it was an awesome architecture studio. I had the chance to go to Venice and present at the uh, Biennale. Uh, and it was the best and the worst time. Um, my professor at the time was very pro-choice and, uh, you know, very unspoken, uh, outspoken about it. And I don't really care. Like, if you want to be outspoken about it, that's great. Let's have a discussion about it. But just as you're going to be outspoken about your pro-choice views, I'm going to be outspoken about my pro-life views. Um, so a friend and I would wear pro-life shirts or, you know, post on our social media that we're pro-life. And, you know, I don't really care. Um, if you have a problem with it, let's talk about it. Let's go get coffee. You know, we can still be friends. Um, but at the end of the semester, my friend and I were the only two in the class that got different grades. Um, so we were graded differently based on, um, you know, presumably our views uh, when everyone else in the class got the same grade. Um, so it was around that time, my regional coordinator reached out to me, said, hey, I know you wanna be in a big city. Uh, we have this job opening, it's uh, Illinois and Iowa. So you can live in Chicago, but you can still go home, see your family. Um, and it was just kind of a no-brainer to me. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, I don't even have to put a resume together <laughs> to job search. Plus, it was just, you know, the whole culmination of, um, ironically, that studio was, was about um, how architecture can impact social change. And our conclusion as a 45-person studio was that if you want to impact social change, don't be an architect, go into policy. Um, and so it was kind of like this whole perfect culmination of all of that. And I remember standing in the doorway of like my bedroom, just thinking, all right, like I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to be that weird person that goes onto campus and talks about abortion. So uh, I was at RC with Students for Life in Illinois and Iowa for two years. And then I just really felt the itch to get back into architecture. Um, so I left, went and worked in uh, the field for a little under two years, um, landed a job at my dream firm, a uh, very famous architect here in Chicago, someone that I've always wanted to work for since I was a little kid and absolutely hated it. <laughs> um, the culture was awful. It um, you know, was just a not great place to work. Um, and then in the midst of COVID, uh, you know, they were still having us come into the office. And uh, I remember our first day back in the office was during the, um, the Black Lives Matter riots. And our, our office building was like right downtown, right where all of the riots were taking place. And so it was just this weird environment to be a part of. And um, I uh, was 
kind of like thinking, how do I get out of this? I don't want to leave. Like it's a terrible time to leave. And then I ended up getting furloughed. So it was kind of um, a blessing. It was a three month furlough, but you know, I reached out to uh, students for life and uh, here I am back <laughs> in the pro, you know, where uh, ever since I left students for life and the pro-life movement as a full, I, I never felt like, um, you know, my job had purpose. It was always missing that deeper purpose and that meaning um, and that camaraderie, like my, you know, my team that I work with every day is, they're some of my closest friends. And, um, you know, so <laughs> I kind of made that decision twice, but um, it was totally a God thing and it worked out amazingly. Yeah, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Um, do um, do you guys think as an organization and other organizations that are out there um, promoting, whether it's life or, or you know, conservatism in general, I guess, um, that you're making a difference on college campuses? And, and I'm not, I, let me rephrase that. You are making a difference. Do, do you see the college students um, more and more coming to your side? Are you seeing that impact? We are. Um, and it's, we're seeing people being more polarized, but we're also seeing um, simultaneously people getting really sick of that polarization and the cancel culture, both on the right and on the left. Um, you know, we, we just kicked off Kristen's speaking tour this past week uh, in Kentucky and then um, in Florida. And she's only been to two, three schools so far because um, it just started. But um, at two of the three schools, she's had students stand up during the Q&A and say that their life has no purpose and they wish that they had never been born. And abortion might have been a better option for their parents to make on their own life than, um, than to, you know, for them to be alive. And it's a really sad reality that we're seeing on campus today of the, the lack of purpose uh, of your own life and uh, we've even seen it during COVID where people lose their job and the suicide rate is super high. And um, because people feel like they, they have nowhere to go, they have nowhere to turn to. Um, so yeah, like increasingly as, you know, with, with COVID, I think COVID's actually helped us out tremendously where people are really starting to value human life uh, from a different perspective. Um, but it's a really great way of starting the conversation with people um, you know, my body, my choice doesn't work for the mask argument. So how do we, <laughs> how do we talk about that in the pro-life terms and use that as a starting point or a finding common ground um, to convince someone of, you know, that this group of humans also has value. Yeah, no, that's so funny. You say that with the mask I posted on Facebook and, and Instagram, it's probably been three months now. I said, I'm done with the masks, my body, my choice. Right. Yeah. And you won't believe how many people who I knew to be pro-abortion came and didn't get it and said, you have to wear a mask. It's not a, if you don't care about your life, what about others? And I, and I just, I didn't even respond. I just let all the comments come and, and I just went, these people are, <laughs> they don't even get it. <laughs> yeah. but, well, that's the best way to be. I mean, everyone's yeah. a different everyone's a different, something will plant a seed with someone and it might piss someone else off, but it'll plant a seed with someone. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so this has been really great and really, really awesome to talk to you. And um, as I've said to all the other uh, students for life guests, I mean, you guys have such a great organization, you're doing great stuff. So I'm glad you're, um, you're building on the pro-life movement instead of building buildings or bridges or whatever. I'm not sure what you were, what, what your architecture was, was, was involved in, but um, so how can people, uh, who those that are new to students for life or don't, you know, haven't, known too much about it how can they find you and support you and get involved with students for life yeah the best way is to follow us on social media facebook mm -hmm. instagram twitter um we post regularly about opportunities uh there um mm -hmm. or go to studentsforlife.org and right on the homepage you can sign up for our email list that's the best way to get involved um is to get the emails or texts um yep. uh, right through the website Yep. Yeah. Really, really great stuff. I, I follow all of it. And that's how I've, I found so many of uh, your, your, your team. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really good stuff. Really great articles. I know Brenna uh, Lewis writes and, um, and I read her articles and the like. So, uh, so students for life, uh, definitely get involved, learn about them, find out about them, support them. If you can certainly um, have uh, someone uh, uh, come and have them speak at your, your college or, university and the like. So, uh, David Cordero, thanks for being here. This has been fantastic. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm glad I got a guy on and uh, <laughs> Lauren said that she would get a great guy as a guest and, um, she did not fail. So David, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay. Anytime. And thank all of you for listening to this episode of Fides podcast with David Cordero, uh, from students for life. Uh, communications Director for Students for Life. Uh, thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>